Well, good morning, church. Man, it is great to be back here with all of you this morning. Another awesome day to worship and praise our awesome God, right? And celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here, that you came and hung out with us this morning for an hour. We hope that you enjoy your time with us. My name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Vertical, and we love the fact that you're here. And again, we celebrate that you're here this morning. It's awesome to have you with us. Um, this morning, we dig deeper into our latest series, um, a series called Sent. And the purpose of the series is to equip us, to dig deeper and to equip us, to inspire us, you and I as a church, to use uh, every opportunity, every day as an opportunity to share Jesus with someone who around us, to, to be Jesus to those who are around us. Um, that's, a, that's where we're going with this whole series. Um, if you missed last week, I would encourage you just to, to go back and listen to our podcast. I don't know if you know we have a podcast, but we do. It's free to listen to, free to download, free to share. Um, and I always tell you to go back and listen to the podcast, especially if you're in small group. You're walking through this as your small group because our, the, the first message of the series usually sets the foundation of where we're going. And that does the same for this as well. So I encourage you to go back and listen to our podcast. But we have a mission as a church. We have a mission as a church, and our mission as a church is very, very clear, is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. More and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And that is our mission simply because that is what God has called us to do, right? So, and did Jesus call this church to do? And I don't think we would want to go off task and, and do our own mission because it wouldn't turn out that well, but that is our mission, to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And I shared last week that through this series, a six-part series, we're going to be focusing on the more, making more disciples, more disciples, simply by you, me, we as a church becoming better disciples. Better disciples. How do we reach more people with the message of hope? And as the body of Christ, the church, we are saved people, yes. We give our life to Christ. We are saved people, yes. But we're also sent people. Jesus sends, sends us into the world to be a light, to be a witness, uh, for the world to see that life changes with him. Everything changes with him. And if you're in this room this morning and you've said yes to Jesus, you've given him your life, you have a mission. You have been given a mission by Jesus Christ. You have been sent and in fact, when Jesus was praying to the Father in John 17, he talks about this. Look at this in, in verse 17, verse 18. It says, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. I'm guessing there, there it is. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Just as Jesus, God incarnate, came to earth, right, to proclaim the kingdom of God, he is also calling his church, you and I who said yes, to go do the same, proclaim the kingdom, the life-changing message, the life-giving message that Christ defeated death so that we may have life. But here's an unfortunate truth. Many of Jesus' followers don't. They don't share the message of hope. They don't engage those who are far from God who desperately need Jesus in their life. They just don't. And I think one of the reasons is, is they don't think it's important. They don't think what they do is important. They don't believe they're on a mission. They don't believe what God has called them to do. Or they think that someone else is going to do it. They don't believe it. 
But I think the greatest is fear. The greatest reason people don't share Jesus is fear. Their fear of being ill-equipped, fear of getting it wrong, fear of not having the answers, fear of being rejected by those who are in their life. And I get it. There are some times when I'm sharing Jesus with people that I'm just shaking in my shoes. You know, I'm start talking about my relationship with Christ, what it looks like and what he's done for me. And I just start bumbling and stumbling. And if I'm being honest, there's times I just fell flat on my face. And when those times happen, and I'm thinking, okay, if this person that I'm sharing Jesus with actually stops and prays and surrenders life to Jesus Christ, it's a true confirmation that salvation is a God thing. Because what I just shared with them was absolutely horrible. It would be better for them at that point just to kind of push me into traffic and be done with it. You know, that's kind of how I feel at those times. Um, But if you're here and you have said yes to Jesus, friends, at some point someone stepped into your life and shared that message of hope. Someone at some point was feeling ill-equipped just like you. Someone at some point in your life was feeling the fear that you have right now to talk to someone about Jesus. They were feeling it themselves, but they shared it to you anyways. Why? Because they realized that you needed Jesus in your life. It was that important to them. And maybe you're in this room this morning because you were invited, right? You were invited by someone who comes to church on a regular basis. By the way, those cards are on your seat again this morning. Hint, hint, take them, hand them out, invite people. But maybe you're here because you were invited, right? Well, that person invited you. There's a good chance that they were praying for you, asking God to, 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 for you to accept the invite to show up. Why? Because they want you to experience the love of Jesus for yourself. And the very first step for them to do that was just simply to invite you to come and be a part of what God is doing here at Vertical Church and what we want him to do in your life. We are sent, called as a church, the body of Christ, to share the message of hope. And I want to be clear, I'm not talking about you and I becoming street preachers, okay? I'm not talking about you and I grabbing a cardboard box and going, a cardboard sign and going to downtown and screaming Jesus at people. You need Jesus, right? And scaring the thunder out of them. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about us scaring the thunder out of people where they call the police. Yeah, we got a 1096 happening on, we got a Jesus freak on the street. Now, I'm not talking about that, okay? So every time we share about talking to people about Jesus, that's what we think about coming street preachers. I'm talking about you, me, the church. Loving the people that are in our lives, that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that we love them enough that we share the greatest story ever written. That an innocent man died a criminal's death by being nailed to the cross. And three days later, he conquered death. And that by having faith in him, surrendering our lives to him, making a Lord of our life, changes lives forever. For the here and now, and forever, ever, amen, and eternity. That's what I'm talking about, you and I as a church, talking to people about how Jesus changes everything. 
So this morning, we're going to be walking through, we're going to be answering two different questions together. It's going to kind of probe our lives, and if we're wondering if we are actually living a sent life or not. Are we living on mission or not? Are you ready? I got one here, I got one there. Are you ready? All right, do me a favor, look at your neighbor next to you and say, let's do this. All right, tell the person you just ignored on the other side of you, right? Let's do this. All right, open church, open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're starting at verse this morning, verse 1 this morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And this is a little recap from last week. The book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke. And Acts is the second book of his two-part series. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. You can find the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. And the Gospel of Luke walks through the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Acts, he writes, is the birth of the church. And we see what God has done through Jesus for us that were called to be with him for all eternity. So Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1, you can find it on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you today. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they, meaning Jesus' disciples, were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Okay, that's just a little freaky, but we'll continue to go. Uh, Verse 4, it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak and he speak in each other tongues as a spirit enabled. Let me just stop right there. This is an awesome moment for you and I because this is the birth of the church. God was sending his Holy Spirit to reside and dwell in the hearts of the believers for the purpose of witnessing Jesus' finished work on the cross. That we have a gift of Holy Spirit to empower us to live a life that honors God, but also to equip us to tell people about Jesus. Let's continue reading verse 5. It says, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hear them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, uh, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phalgira, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Liberia and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine to drink. Let's just stop right there. They were speaking in known languages. They were speaking in the languages of the people who were present. So they'd be able to hear what was coming next. What was going to be proclaimed before them? And that's kind of crazy cool because it'd be like me jumping in a plane flying over to China, getting out and speaking absolute perfect Mandarin so I could share the gospel without having any studies, without any languages being taken, me taking classes and learning language, just showing up and the spirit of God allowing me, equipping me to share the message of hope. That's exactly what was going on. And then if you continue reading on and go back to it later, Peter reminds them that this was something that was going to happen. The prophet Joel prophesied that this was going to take place. God revealed that this was all going to happen. 
But then he shares a statement with them that Joel said that had been echoing through history for almost 2,000 years. And it's verse 21. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a prophecy coming to fulfillment. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be the same. This is the message of Jesus. This was the message of Jesus then, and it's the message of Jesus now, and it will never, ever change. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But Peter wasn't done. Let's continue reading. Verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, by the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God, I love that phrase, but God, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Someone should be shouting amen. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him, Jesus. Peter, standing (laughs) with his other disciples in Jerusalem, proclaiming the truth of Jesus, that he is the Messiah. By the way, where was Jesus arrested and crucified for proclaiming that he was the Messiah? Jerusalem. He's in the same spot that all went down for Jesus, and he's proclaiming the truth. And then Peter put a proverbial finger in their face. He says, you... You Jews and wicked men, you nailed him to the cross, but death could not hold him down. Not only was his early disciples willing to look like fools, but his early followers were willing to die for what they believed when they needed to be told. They were willing to tell his story. So the question I have for us, church, is are you? Are you willing to tell his story? Are you willing to tell the story of how Jesus saves? One of the biggest barriers I shared earlier is fear. Fear blocks us from the presence of God. Fear shuts us out from what God truly wants us to do. Because we have fear of what people may think of us. We have a fear that people may think that we're weird and truly some of us, we're weird. That's okay, right? It's no big deal. But we have a fear of being, not just being shut down, but ultimately rejected by our friends, our family, our coworkers. being being shunned at school. We have a fear. And it stops us from doing what God has called us to do. We have fear not being invited to the barbecues, not being called to the hangouts because people know that we're Jesus freaks. We love Jesus. And they know if we show up, we're gonna talk to them about Jesus because it's that important. That's why we don't share because we're afraid. 
Listen, the first disciples that the Spirit came down on were Jews and converts of Judaism. And they were surrounded by Jews. And when they started speaking the truth in a language they can understand, in these foreign languages, they, some of them assumed they were drunk. And they made it known what they were thinking and how they felt. Like, oh, these guys just had too much wine. They're little tips, if you know what I mean. Well, there's a purpose for that. Because being drunk and getting drunk is outside of God's design for his people. And if they could point to him saying, hey, they're, 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 they're under the table, you know what I mean? You know, they're just off the rocker. They're not really thinking. If they can just do that, they can discredit them. They can pull them away from actually having a relationship with God. And what they're sharing, the message they're talking about, the message of hope, will be discredited. Yeah, they're just a bunch of drunks. Don't listen to what they say. It's all babble. Well, we'll face the same stuff. It's the same for you and I as we go talk to people about Jesus. People will put us in a box. People will call us misfits. They'll make claims about us. They'll look into our lives and see our failures, see our mistakes, and see where we've turned our back and sinned against God and say, ah, ha, 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 ha. See? You shouldn't be doing that, right? Because you're a Christian, And they'll put fingers at us and microscope our lives and they'll try to discredit our message. Why? Because they think we should be perfect. And when I read this, I don't think God calls us to be perfect. The only one who was perfect was Jesus. And they'll try to discredit what we're doing and the message we're sharing. And it happened to us as a church too. As we grow as a church, as we step into our community and make an impact for the kingdom, they'll try to discredit what we're doing. As we grow and in more services, more locations, and more people coming to Christ, and we, God's transforming this town one soul at a time, we'll be discredited. People point at us like, oh, they're, just a, they're a big church. They're kind of like watering down the word, tickling people's ears. You know, they're really not cheap, you know, preaching the word there. People will try to discredit the message. Happened 2,000 years ago. Why wouldn't we think it happened to us now? We had to overcome the fear. Push it back. Punch it in the face. And say the message is more important than this moment. The moment of fear that I'm having. Because you matter to God and I want to tell you about my Jesus. Will you tell his story? And that leads us to the second question. Can you tell a story? Can you tell the story of Jesus? Share the gospel. I know this may be like a crazy question to ask in a church. But this is a true barrier for people sharing the message of hope. Not be able to share these conversations, have conversations and share Jesus. Because people are not sure what to say. We're not sure what to say simply because we've never prepared ourselves to say it. And listen, again, I get it. There's going to be people who are in the church who have the gift of sharing Jesus. They're called, you know, the gift of evangelism. That's not me. And they walk into a room and they start talking about Jesus. Next thing you know, the whole room has given their life to Jesus Christ. You're like, what is up with that? And the rest of us, 
are like, God, can you help a brother out? I could use some words here. Can you help me bring this clear? We're pleading for God to give us some words. And that just simply means that we have to put an effort in. Right? We have to work at it. We have to train ourselves. 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. Anyone who asks, we've got to be ready to give the answer for the hope we have. We put in effort so that when God gives us the opportunity, when, not if, when God gives us the opportunity, we are ready. By the way, this is what Jesus was doing with his first disciples. He was sharing this in his first disciples exactly what he meant when he called his first disciples. He said, and look at this on the screen, four, uh, Matthew four nineteen. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you. Points to the future steps. There's gonna be a process they were gonna walk through spending three years together with Jesus. He was preparing them to set the foundation of the church. And that's the same for us. There's a process that we must go through. There is a learning curve that we have in our lives. A plan to prepare, information to gain. And as we do, you and I, the church, we put in the effort so we prepared. Jesus is making us into fishers of men. See, the first question is all about our will. Will we share? This is all about our preparation. And I need to share with you right up front, we're not always gonna get it right. And if that's what your thought is, like I just, I need to have it perfect, it's never gonna happen. We're not always gonna get it right. I mean, there's gonna be some times when we share Jesus with people and we're gonna, things are gonna line up just right and we're like, man, if I wasn't saved, I'd give my love to Jesus again right here, right now. I mean, that was just awesome. I just tapped myself in the back. But many times, many times, that's not even the case. We're gonna walk away after sharing Jesus thinking, what in the world just came out of my mouth? And I'm right here with you. I remember a Sunday, several years ago, a Sunday after the second service, I was brought into a conversation. Someone was talking to the guest that came with him that morning and talked to him about Jesus. And they said, hey, Rich, can, you, can, can I ask you a question? Can I bring you into this conversation? I'm like, sure, why not? Oh, what's going on? And they turned around and asked me a question, and the girl looked at me, and she said, why did Jesus have to die for me? I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that question. I wasn't prepared in my mind. I didn't even stop and take a moment to think it. And I just started talking. And I just said, okay, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So I went right back to Genesis. And as I'm talking, and there was Adam and Eve and the garden Eden, and everything was perfect. And I'm just spewing all this information and the, the woman's looking at me going, like what in the world does that have to do with anything that I'm talking about? I was confusing her. I was messing this whole thing up. If there was a trap door at that moment, someone should have pulled it and got me right out of there. But instead, I should have stopped and answered with a simple answer. 
allowing her to ask more questions and her journey to Jesus. I could have said, you know what? God requires sacrifice for sin. And Jesus, yeah, he sacrificed his life for you and for me. And just stop. And then they'll ask another question. And then answer it again. But so often, we we're, we're go off and we're just going, and we, people walk like, I ain't showing back up to that church again. That's a little crazy sauce. Right? People are confused. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. God, if we allow him, will make us fishers of men. We just need to be prepared because we've been sent. So Peter goes on, look at verse 36. He's sharing us what Jesus, what sharing Jesus looks like. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and other apostles, what, brothers, what should we do? Let's just stop right there. Step one, know who Jesus is. Know who Jesus is and what he has done for you and what he's done for all mankind. That he is the Lord, the anointed one, the Messiah. And what he did for us is he died on the cross for our sin. My sin, your sin, their sin. We need to know who Jesus is. And we present that, what he has done to them. Just like you and I at one point when someone shared Jesus with us, we were cut to the heart. We realized we were sinners in need of a savior. We prayed and surrendered our lives. We need to know who Jesus is and what he has done for all of us. Continue reading on. Peter replied, repent. Brother, look at me, he said, brothers, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children for all who are far off from all whom the Lord God will call. Let's just stop right there. Step two is to repent. We know who Jesus is. We share what he's done for everybody. And then we come to the point, we tell them to repent. And this is important. Because sometimes we come, it's not about a prayer that's being said. It's not, it's not that when we just say we can get out of hell free card, like that it is. It is a life change, a life surrendered to Jesus Christ. And repentance is important. Because to repent means to physically turn around and go in the opposite direction. It means you are going this way, you're living for yourself, on your own merit, your own design, with your own will, and you said, okay, I'm repenting, I'm turning away from that life, and I'm going the opposite direction, grabbing a hold of embracing a new life with Jesus Christ. That's what repentance means. And repentance means you come to this understanding that you, Jesus, who he is, and you surrender your life to him, make him the Lord of your life. And when you do that, you receive the Holy Spirit, He's our advocate. He's our counselor. He empowers us, right? We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We also receive the gift of eternal life. And this is once that transpired, then you get baptized. You give your life to Jesus, then you get baptized. You're a child of God, and then you go proclaim that you're a child of God to all those around you. That's exactly what he's talking about. Know who Jesus is, what he has done, and what you have to do to embrace it for you. That's sharing the gospel. So this morning, I want to give you two examples of how to do this. 
And I want to share what the gospel is. If you look at here, it says the, the gospel is the good news. And the gospel, the good news, is actually a Greek word called eugelion, which means to evangelize, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. So I've taken the word gospel and I've broken it down into a, a few different parts so you can kind of look at it. If you've got a camera, take a picture. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's very, very simple of understanding of how to share the gospel with other people. G, God created us to be with him. O, our sin separates us from God, meaning we're choosing to live a life for ourselves, not how he's called us to live. And that is S, sin. Sin can't be worked for, it must be paid for. P, payment. Payment for our sin was made through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. E, everyone who believes in him and surrenders their life to him receives L, eternal life, to be with Jesus now and forever in heaven for all eternity. Gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L. Very, very simple of walking through to have that with you when you're talking to someone about Jesus. Now, if you're like me, I like books with extra pictures, right? Anybody here like book with pictures? Please don't leave me hanging. All right, there's a few. Thank you very much. So here's a couple of pictures that you can walk through, you can have in your back pocket. Show the first picture if you would, please. This is what it looks like. Man's on one side. God's on the other side, and what's in the middle? Sin. Sin separates us from God. And that sin between us is this huge chasm. It's called death. And we can't do anything on our own to get to the other side. We can't do enough good works. You can't donate enough money. You can't volunteer enough locations. You can't walk enough little ladies across the street. It doesn't work that way. There's nothing good we can do to get across the other side. Sin separates us. Sin requires a sacrifice. And Jesus loved you so much, he sacrificed his own life for you, for your neighbors, for your friends, for your grandchildren, right? All these things. Jesus, I will be the sacrifice for them. And so when Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price for our sin. And he conquered death three days later, and he became a bridge. Show the next picture, please. He became the bridge back to God. You can't do it. Jesus did it. It's not what we can do. It's been what's been done. And when you come to the point and realize that you are in need of a Savior, or the people you're talking to are in need of a Savior, what they do is believe and surrender, and they walk across the shoulders of Christ back to a relationship with God. That's the gospel. And that's what we're called to share. Because we have been sent. And when we put the effort in, we understand that we're on mission. The church, you, me, the body of Christ have a mission. We will become fishers of men. And lives will be changed before us on a regular basis. And you need to see what happens when we're bold and courageous in the world that wants nothing to do with God and Jesus Christ. Look at verse 40. And with many other words, 
He warned them, Paul, uh, Peter, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message and were baptized, and about 3,000 people were added to the number that day. 3,000 people. Peter, standing in front of all these people, proclaimed the hope of Christ in a hostile situation. 3,000 people embraced the message of Christ and surrendered their life and then were baptized that day. Come on. Could you imagine if that took place in Fort Branch? We'd have to order lunch and dinner. We're in baptizing 295. We're almost done. But don't tell me it can't happen. Because you and I, we serve a big God who has a big mission. We can't let fear get in our way from doing what he's called us to do. See, God has us right where he wants us. He has you in school next to some students you can't stand in class. He has you in the workplace, the people that are driving you nuts. He has your neighbors, they're like, oh my gosh, if I could put a 40-foot fence up, privacy, that would be awesome, right? But he has us right where he wants us. Why? Because your life is a testimony. Your life is a testimony to the truth of what Jesus has done for you. Your life is a testimony to be shared to share his story. We're right where he wants us. We, have the, we get the waitress on purpose for a purpose today when you go to lunch. When you go grocery shopping. You stop at the gas station. We just need to be ready. Take hold of every opportunity that God has given us. You know, this morning, Steph and I were leaving our apartment, apartment complex. We're driving down the road, and we get a call. And my brother-in-law, who lives in Georgia, was right in front of the apartment complex with this big truck and trailer and some tractors on it. He's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, going to church. And I only share that with you is because my brother-in-law, who is the one who's courageous, and who led me to the Lord 22 years ago. He didn't take no for an answer. Even when I threatened to knock his teeth out of his mouth, he didn't take no for an answer. He knew that Rich needed Jesus. That where I was going without Jesus was not remotely a place to mention. And I have to imagine that you have riches in your life. You have people you're connected with that need Christ. So I lied, I don't have two questions, I have three. Will you tell his story? Can you tell his story? And who are you gonna go tell his story today? This week, tomorrow? Whatever it means, go and share the greatest message ever given. 
Jesus saves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to come and worship and praise you, Lord. You're an awesome God above all things. And I am humbled that you loved me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sin. And I praise you, Father, that you did that for all the people in this room. And it goes beyond these walls, beyond this room to their own community. The Fort Branch, Hobstadt, Owensville, Princeton, Gibson County. The gospel needs to be shared. And God, I pray that we are a body of Christ. We are a church that's unashamed. Unashamed to share the gospel. But who cares if people think that we're Jesus freaks? If I'm going to be a freak about anything, it better be about you. So God, I pray for courage. I pray, God, that you crush our fears. I pray that you help us see the people in front of us that need you. That we will live on mission. That we'll seek unexpected adventures. That we'll keep our eyes peeled for what you have for us and who you've brought into our lives. Simply because you sent your son into the world and your son has sent us. I love you. We worship you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Right now I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come forward. If any of this going on here, things going on in your life, something struck a chord with you, something hurting in you, you're frustrated when you, like Jacob shared earlier, things going on in your life that you need to come and present before the feet of Jesus, I want to encourage you to come forward and be prayed over and prayed with. We believe in the power of prayer and we want to pray for you. Other than that, go tell some of our